This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, it's the first home game of the season as the Clarets bring championship football back to Turf Moor. This is the Known and Ever podcast. Welcome to the Known and Never podcast. I am your host, Natalie Bromley, and this week we are looking back at the first home game of the season, that painfully excruciating, wonderfully exciting home tie against Luton Town. I am your host, Natalie Bromley, and joining me this week are regular panellists on the analysis show, George Poole, and back from his holidays, Rich Steele. Rich, are you over your jet lag? Are you with us? Yeah, 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 fine. Uh, Lovely to be back in sunny Wigan anyway. It was literally landed at 10 o'clock that morning in Manchester Airport and, and straight to the game, pretty much. So what, what a better way to spend a Saturday afternoon after your honeymoon <laughs> than going to the turf. Don't lie to us. You were, that was the best bit of your honeymoon, wasn't it, going on turf at the end? I, I did say to Kira, being in Burnley is better than being in Cancun and I didn't get uh, the best reception from her anyway, yeah. but we'll leave it at that. Yeah, we will. I think I might start laying some some bets with our listeners as to how long we think Rich will end up being married for because uh, the rate is going to <laughs> be a very short marriage. I'm going to take I'm going to take the unders on three months. Uh, but yes, moving moving swiftly on, we are also welcomed making her known and ever podcast debut. I am super super excited to welcome to the known and ever podcast Charlotte Rigby. Charlotte, hello. Hello, how are we? <laughs> we are very good. Welcome, welcome. We are so excited to have you. Uh, now, listeners, for those of you who didn't see the announcement on social media, which won't be many of you because it was met with um, a lot of enthusiasm, which was very good. Um, we had been searching for um, a second female voice in the podcast for some time now, and I can't think of anybody else who's more perfect from the role than Charlotte. I think she's breath of fresh air on Twitter she's hugely popular with our listeners and I think she's going to be absolutely superb so Charlotte why don't you kick off this week's podcast you can have the floor what was your gut instinct after that draw 1-1 at home to Luton very different from the Huddersfield game how did you think it went Oh, I was a bit nervy at first half, for definite. Um, I was thinking, especially, didn't take them long to get on top, did it? And I thought, here we go. Back to what we know here. Um, one nil down for it's even 10 minutes. So, uh, yeah, first half, definitely. I don't... I'm a very superstitious person and I find it very difficult to watch the game whenever the opposition are anywhere near scoring. 
And I will say that completely honestly. If we're yeah, if we're talking about their goals or whatever, it's what I've watched back. I have not watched it live. I have no idea what's going on live. I have my trusty (laughs) sister next to me who's replaying everything on the game to me because I don't have the gut to watch it. Um, So after that, I thought, here we go. I'm not watching any of these any of these games anymore. Um, But then obviously we came out in that second half and we we were much better, much better. We were what we saw. Uh, the week before we were just just struggled with the end product and it was frustrating but you know what we're at a point it's a point it's early season I'm a eternal optimist and uh yeah looking forward to see what we'll do once we've got somebody in that box on the end of all them crosses anyway that's wonderful you see listeners we've got our second eternal optimist which brings me nicely on to our other eternal optimist young George George you and George are going to fit on there very oh my god I've done it again Charlotte oh listeners Right, for those of you who weren't listening last week, poor Charlotte has got a sister who's also a Burnley fan, looks pretty much identical to her, is also very active on social media, but it's called Georgia. And I cannot for the life of me stop calling Charlotte Georgia. So I think from the, oh my God, and now Georgia's just started a vote of no confidence in me. So this is going very, very well. George, you and Charlotte, how am I going to remember Charlotte? Princess Charlotte, from now on in, you are hereby known as Princess Charlotte. There you go, that sorted me out. George, you are our other eternal optimist. You and Charlotte are going to get on very, very well. Um, Do you agree with that? I think most of us do, actually. A very tricky opening 10 minutes in the first half, especially, was very, very tough. Yeah, I think it's generous to call me um, optimistic, to be fair, in my mood swings. So I I really take that. That's already my night made. Uh, And I'm also superstitious. And I changed my so-called lucky shirt uh, for the weekend. No. I was really nervous as to how it would go. I I stuck to my my other superstitions, turnstile entrance 32 in the long side. Uh, Everything else was the same, lucky socks. Uh, lucky underwear, bit too, too much information, but I had everything planned and unfortunately it all went to pot within five minutes into it and right from the get-go you could tell they were all over us, they were beating us physically. I think they had a lot more about them than Huddersfield did and you could tell it within the first 10 minutes. Their goal was coming, it really was. I, I said to my dad as soon as it went in, we deserved that. Luton were on top and you just thought, this is a really good test because it's not like in the Premier League where you go 1-0 down and then you think, well, that's game over. We've got no chance of really bringing this back. Because it's the Championship, games are a lot more even. Games are sometimes a bit more open. I thought it's a nice test in that this side had it easy last week. And, you know, once we got that goal, we could basically just chill, have the ball. And there wasn't that urgency to get a second goal. Whereas this week, we had to be urgent to get an equaliser. So I thought it was a nice test, actually, and something that I think we'll really benefit from going forward. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that struck me and, and has been talked about quite a lot since the game, Rich, was the the physical dominance that Luton brought to the game and their game plan was very obvious that they were going to stifle all of our creativity, pack that midfield and limit us to trying to put crosses aerial crosses into the box that they could easily deal with essentially they did exactly what we've been doing in the Premier League for the last eight years yeah can I just add something to it I'm not superstitious at all (laughs) I don't think 
I don't think Vincent Company's bothered if George Poole's got his minging underpants on for the, for the next <laughs> away game. But we all appreciate the visual anyway, thanks, George. They do get washed, Rich. All right, OK. Oh, OK, I enough, did, enough. I thought you'd get washed in after a few weeks. Oh, no, stop it. I don't even want to think about this. Let, so, back, George, we've gone 25 games unbeaten in the Championship. So, are, so are them foxes unwashed from 2014? Oh, my days. Until onwards. Can I bring some... 25 unbeaten, no, though, isn't it, stop there it. You go. I am there bringing you go. order to the proceedings. Rich, get your mind yeah. off George's underwear and back onto the game, please. Sorry, what was the question? Oh, no, my only George, God. I'm not being booked. No, listen, it, I really enjoyed the game as a whole. Um... Listen, we did get physically dominated, I think, in the first 20 minutes or so. And it was quite, you know, it was quite a frustrating watch at times. But I, I kind of had an idea what, what was coming. Luton are a very good side. They've, you know, they've had the core group of players together for a number of years now. And they reminded me of Burnley, of exactly what you said, Natalie. In, in the Premier League, they were, every single player knew the jobs, they knew what role they had. And they did at times bully us. And one, one thing I didn't notice, it, oh, what I did notice, sorry, is they didn't let Josh Cullen play. Cullen had no. all the time in the world um, against Huddersfield and he completely dictated the game. And early on, he was starting to make mistakes with his passes. And I thought the number 11, if he's, I, I might pronounce his name wrong, so I do apologise if any Luton fans are listening. I think it's Adebayo or Adebayo. I thought he was absolutely excellent and I thought he was a real physical presence up front. Um, all I was game. surprised when they took him off. Actually, they took him off, didn't they? And I was quite surprised when they, was it number seven. Might have been seven actually. I, I didn't think they took off number off seven. Like, yeah, it was seven, yeah. wasn't it? He also had um, a really good game for them. I was surprised when they brought him off. Was that Luke Freeman? Obviously, he's had a really good career. Luke Freeman, uh, you know, just just come from Sheffield United. So listen, you know, they come. I think I think they come fifth last season, didn't they? Narrowly lost out in the playoffs uh, to Huddersfield. I think it was yeah, by. It was. You know, by you know, by one goal, you know, and on another day, you know, they could have been playing in the Premier League. So I thought but I thought the way the way we came back was really pleasing. And I think overall we did get bullied a little bit, which is to be expected with the team we've got. But as George said, it was a really good test of us. And I, and I think overall we we come through it pretty well. I know we'll analyse the second half and looking forward, but Going off the turf, I was quite content. I wasn't happy because you want to win your home games, but I was quite content getting four points from, from the opening two games. Yeah, that's a really good point. And Charlotte, picking up on those physicality points and, and the, the idea that we were frustrated from playing, it's quite unusual for us as fans to be watching the, the footballing side, watching the side that's got all of the possession, watching the side that's sort of passing it around midfield and finding that beautiful little ball and that pass and trying to create things um we aren't usually that side and even though Luton tried their best to frustrate that it was still very very exciting to be I don't I guess where I'm getting from is, is I don't think there'll be many more if any better footballing sides than us in the championship this season yeah, no, I completely agree. It makes me feel a bit sorry for all them fans that were all horrible about last season, like all oh, the bullying us and this, that and other. Because you did feel a bit like that when you were watching it. You were like, oh, they're just trying to play football. And I was sat there thinking, who am I? Who am I saying that? <laughs> that they're just trying to play football. But other than, yeah, I think it's going to have to get used to it, aren't we? We're just going to have to get used to the fact that we're, we're going to get bullied a little bit because we are trying to play better football and it is it is exciting to watch it's very nervy I found the whole thing very nervy when we're passing it and 
and like sometimes you think you miss, I'm missing that long ball you know just get it up I can see a nice long ball pass it'll just get us out of, out of the danger you know but no it is it is exciting on its own foot as well and, and it's nice to see it is nice to see as a team where you've got called all so many names in the past about yeah. your football and that you don't deserve to be where you are and and what not when we're doing all right and that we're bullies or we're anti-football this that and the other and think you know what they've actually made a pretty big turnaround there and for now we can see some some decent football as Burnley fans if you if you were nervous and missing the long ball how did you feel about our keeper in some parts of that game oh my word like I said I cannot watch when that ball is near our keeper and that makes it even worse for that lad he is mad he is, I love him. I absolutely love him, but he is a, he's nutter. He's not scared of anything, is he? Not scared can of I, anything. I can I just add there because there was a couple of you know, there was a couple of I made the joke, you know, I said on Twitter there was a couple of Brexit dads. I meant that as a joke. Um, around <laughs> oh me. God, in, in, don't bring politics in, into it. Listen, including you know, including my dad in, in, himself was getting very nervous. I thought the goalkeeper was fantastic. I think I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Um yeah, he come off his line a little bit, but end of the day, he won the ball, didn't he? And and they probably would have scored if he didn't do that. He's going to be absolutely crucial in a scoring a lot of goals. He may concede the odd goal. He may concede the odd goal here and there, but him building them attachment back to front, he'll get us a lot more goals than he'll concede. And I think so, it's just something we've got to be patient with. How are you? How are you feeling then? Because obviously, one of the things that we were gutted about that some of the players that we lost in the summer, we needed to clear out anyway. But obviously, the Holy Trinity, Tarki and Ben, me and Nick Port were the ones that stung more than anything. And the keeper position, particularly, I feel like George might be giving us a public apology before long. I think he's just put something in the chat that's along those lines. Um, but um, oh no, it's a public apology for Rich. Oh, okay, go on, spill this. Oh no, because. Because I said no, he's apologising for the Brexit dads. Ah, okay, that's fine. Okay, well, let's get back on topic then. So, bearing in mind that we have lost Pope and we've been used to for so many years just a conveyor belt of England internationals, he is a completely different keeper, completely different style to what we've been used to, even completely different to Heaton, I think, before uh, Pope was in the nets. But you're right, it, it's it's brilliant to watch. As Charlotte said, he's absolutely mad, but... Once your nerves get over it, it's 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 brilliant to watch. No, I don't think my nerves will ever get over it. I don't <laughs> think that I'll be settled at all this season. It is not good for my heart. But no, I appreciate him. I, I really, really, I think he's a fantastic keeper. And like you said, he, he made some decisions where I thought, no, nope, not for me, but they were the right decisions. <laughs> I just couldn't watch. I had to be there and be like, George, are we safe yet? And she's like, yeah, no, we're fine. He's got rid of it. I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> See, there we go, listeners. This is going to be the aim for the first season that we have Charlotte in the Non-Ever podcast. We need to get a karma by the end of the season. We need to get her to watch more football. I, I, I'm struggling to think how much Premier League football you actually get to watch then because oh, no. most of the... Yeah, I was going to say you've missed like six years of football. Um, I know. I swear I should only pay for half a season ticket. You should, I swear it was yeah. Less than half I a think game. that's true. You'd get on with my mother. My mother can't watch football full stop. <laughs> for that reason um George um just a final point on the the keeper and the defense then because I think the goal that we did concede was very disappointing I think they they just hadn't got themselves into the game um Charlie Taylor back at center half again um with uh Matson at left back um I just want to have a quick there's been a lot of talk about us bringing in um, or needing to bring in a centre-half. I think Seth Vanderberg has been banded around today as being somebody we think we're going to bring in from Liverpool. 
I don't really know what we do with our defence. If like who, I don't feel like we can drop Matson from left back, but then I don't think we can necessarily drop Charlie Taylor if we bring in another centre half. What what do you think's missing, if anything, or what do you think needs doing with that defence? Yeah, well, I'm not particularly bothered about bringing in a centre half. I like it as it is. But that being said, I think if they if they were to bring in Set Vandenberg from Liverpool on loan, who we joke about it, becomes in is highly rated. Who knows? But Preston fans <laughs> have seen him for Preston fans have seen him for a season in the Championship and really do really do think a lot of him. And I think you know we've got a trust company in that every signing he's brought in, we've been impressed by. So why yeah. would this lad be any different? Now, what I do think they could do if they do bring him in is. They might move Matson, you know, in the second half how we had Costello sort of playing out left and that allowed Benson to operate on the right. Well, instead of Costello being there, why not move Matson a little bit forward? Because he's basically our main attacking threat as it is anyway from left back. So give him that freedom to work from where Costello was on the left wing in the second half. And then you allow Charlie Taylor to play left back and not be dropped. Because I think Taylor's too good a player to be dropped at championship level. And Matson is simply undroppable the way he's playing. He's he's been a man the match both games now. So I think you know that could be a route we go down if we do bring in a centre back. Because look, from the corners, I know you're asking about defensively, from the corners in an attacking sense at the weekend, we had what we had eleven corners. I didn't get off my seat for one of them because no. we had no we had no goal threat at all. Because not only are we not playing with two big strikers anymore, we're only playing with one. So that's one big head gone but we're also playing Charlie Taylor at centre-back who's what he's, he's barely above six foot he's not a big 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 lad he's not a threat from set pieces so I think if we were to bring in a defender to replace Taylor it would have the benefit of going forward I think we do lack a bit of physicality so yeah I think Matson at left wing is a possible route out of out of dropping either of Taylor or Matson. Can he play on the wing, or is he just a defender? Uh, he must be able to. He's that quick. Who, Matson? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's basically playing left, yeah, and he's basically playing left wing as it is the way the way he operates. Because when we're going back, we're playing as a back three, essentially with Roberts, Taylor, and Howard Bellis. Matson's got all the freedom in the world as it is. So just let him off the leash and play in left wing, and then we can slot Taylor in there at left back. Uh, go on, Rich. Yeah. Yeah. Just just something on the centre half, and I'll do a little bit more analysis on the way we play. It's, I've, I've not seen enough of Vandenberg. I've, you know, I've, I've not seen him play once, like a lot of us are these new signings. But for me, I'd rather get an experienced centre-half in. And I'm not talking about like Gary Taylor, someone in the 30s, just someone who's played a bit on a permanent deal rather than a loan signing to come in because we've already kind of got Howard Bellis. I think George makes a great point there. I think Matson could easily slot into midfield. Uh, George said Roberts was kind of playing in the back three. He was basically playing in the stand. He was that lazy on Saturday. Oh, my God, uh, with, what was with, wrong with, with Roberts? Roberts. Uh, but anyway, I'll talk about that in a minute. But I think half of the issue is we've got defensively. But then we say this, we've only conceded two shots on target in two games. Yeah. You know, and, but that's what naturally will happen when you keep a lot of the ball. But when we're playing so attacking and you're, and you're getting the attack, and, you know, when your fullbacks are getting far, especially Matson, and all your central mids are getting forward, like Jack Court's supposed to be a holding midfielder and he was nearly on the end of a cross, but Barnes got there first. So naturally, when your midfield's getting that forward and your fullbacks are as, as well, your two centre-halves are going to be really exposed. So so I think it's a real. It, it comes down to possibly personnel as well. But I think when your midfield's playing that so high up and when you get countered, 
you're going to be, you know, no matter who you've got in defence, you're going to be struggling anyway. Yeah. So I think that's so I think that's a real kind of a piece of analysis to actually kind of say it's not just the defence, it's the way it's the structure of the team and the way company wants to play, particularly at home when teams sit behind the ball. And it's interesting to see how we're going to kind of negate that really. Yeah, it is. It's a bit of a way. I don't know whether I'm guilty of this in that I've just maybe not adjusted yet to life in the championship in that I keep I keep imagining that all of these sides that are coming to turf this season are City, United, Liverpool, Brighton. You know, I, I, I've forgotten that there is an adjustment here and that we are trying to think that we need a defence that can handle De Bruyne running anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and I haven't realised that the vast majority, maybe apart from five or six of these championship sides, are not going to cause us any problems and we don't necessarily need. Uh, but I guess then on the flip side of that is that we aren't just building a side here um, for this season. We are we're building a future side. We're building a squad here that company wants to take to the Premier League. Um, George, you just put in our chat box, you're scared about Watford. Watford's going to be our toughest test so far, for sure. Yeah, easily. Like like you say there, where okay, we're not playing against really good, really you know, De Bruyne of the world and Haaland this season. But yeah, it's one of those. It's balancing that that sense of we want players like Taylor in there because they're really good on the ball, and I'd like to see him flourish as that in that centre off position if if Matson's playing left back. But then on the flip side, I do really want a really solid defence because you've played against Watford and their front three is absolutely incredible incredible I think company said in his post-match interview he said Watford are basically a Premier League team still they haven't sold anybody of note and they've added to their squad so yeah I think Friday and obviously you'll touch on it in the preview show but I I think Friday is going to be a monumental test and it just scares me because I just really really like the unbeaten run and I don't want that to end yet This is what we were saying, Charlotte, about George being completely and utterly emotional. Um, a quick word with you then, Charlotte, just before we move on away from the defence and start looking at the opposite end of the pitch. Um, Rumours pretty much doing the rounds at the moment that both Kevin Long and Matt Lawton have been told to find other clubs that their services are not required this season. Uh, probably not a surprise and probably not needed, certainly Kevin Long in terms of the squad, but feels sad that those two are going, very long-standing players. Yeah, I definitely do. Like we said, it's, it's not unexpected, especially when they were getting all these lads in. You were thinking, well, there's not really a place for them now. Um, Kevin Long, big Kev, he always reliable when, when me or Tarky were out or one or the other, you know. And Lawton, I just loved his presence on the pitch. I thought it was yeah, hilarious. Like laughing at officials, laughing at players, you know, telling people to get up. It's it's what you want to see at sometimes when I, I'm there and you're you 4-0 down you want to see someone laughing a bit of entertainment but um it's like we said it's not it's not something we weren't expecting it's um it's something that we were going to see coming but yeah it is upsetting it is sad because you know the part of our team that we've lost a little bit of and it is all kind of new players coming in and we have our lads that are still here but there's a lot less of them now and it's the names that new names coming in after one after the other and you think oh yeah we're missing some of the old guard really isn't it they're all yeah. they're all kind of going again and yeah it's upsetting but I think because we've had such a break as well um of not seeing the players I felt that way a little bit when when Corne went love him but again we've had such a break from not seeing him and he wasn't 
anywhere near the team sheet and yeah, that's true. it didn't feel part of the new team so yeah. it didn't feel as bad is that horrible to say but no I get it I do get it yeah it makes sense yeah but yeah, yeah it's... so definitely sad but not unexpected no it, it definitely feels like I say it's been such a wholesale change I mean we've had 13 players out and 10 in already. Um, we have still got Jay up front. We've still got Ashley for however long that may be. Um, I think Brownell and Cork in the central midfield are a big plus for that because like, I like Josh Brownell because he just gets us um, and he does yeah. feel like he understands the community. So maybe that will help with that transition. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I love Josh Brownell. I think he's hilarious. I think some of the the social media stuff they've been putting out at the moment that involves him is absolutely fantastic and I think maybe they've twigged on that we're all going to feel a little bit that way and that's why they're pushing it a bit more with the social media and thinking let's get involved and get some players that they all recognize and yeah I think Josh Brown and Jack Cork as well especially being captain I think it will help um, ease us into the the new the new side of the new way of playing. Yeah definitely and you know what we don't know any of our players so the social media helps because when the team I was like Following the pitch, I didn't know who anybody was. So, yeah, yeah all good. All good. <laughs> okay, the other end of the pitch, George, we have um, been involved in many a debate over social media this weekend as to whether or not Berlin needs a striker. Now, this is on the back of Matty Vidra leaving this week, which um, was probably not expected, but also felt like a bit of a shock. And I think his farewell post on Instagram got most of us choked up. Um, so we have, we are now down to Jay, who's injured, not expected to be back to about three or four weeks. Twine is also injured um, and he's not expected to be back to three or four weeks. And we've got Costello and Barnes. Now we keep hearing from um, BK that we have to share the goals around this season. That's the official line. And he was directly asked a question after the game, on Saturday as to whether or not he will be bringing in a new striker ahead of the Watford game. And he said, if I bring anybody in, a striker, they have to fit with the system. They have to be prepared to run and they have to be be able to play the way we are. But we've got enough of those players who do that. And I think most of us are very much of the opinion that we actually do need an out-and-out striker. So kick us off with this then. Where, where do you think we are in terms of striker? Because more importantly two games in the championship and just two goals suggests that there's not that many goals in this side at the moment. Yeah, I think, I think we've got to be wary of overlooking what we've got. Uh, You know, I I feel like I'll bring a little bit of balance here because I feel like everyone's craving for a striker at the moment, which is, you know, fair enough. And I do think we do need a striker, but you look at the situation and okay, it's three, 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 four weeks down the line, but as soon as Scott Twine gets fit again, he's, he's a man with, lots about him and he's someone who could play off a physical striker whether it be Jay or Barnes and really offer a big goal threat you saw how Benson who we'll obviously talk about came on at the weekend changed the game as soon as he came on and as the minute he came on we looked like a different team so you know I think there's a possibility to overlook what we've got at the same time J-Rod was training on Thursday so I expect him to be back in contention for this week's game on Friday and I think Whilst it could be you, it, you could easily lump Jay and Barnes in the same category. I think they're two completely different players, and I think Jay Rod offers a much bigger goal threat. He's someone who's a lot better on the ball than Barnes. So you know, I think there is a tendency to overlook what we've got, but at the same time, Costello shouldn't count. He should be a bonus. You know, we shouldn't be putting the pressure on a young lad like him. 
So if you look at it that way, we've got Barnes, Gerard, and maybe Twine if you class him as a striker, which is a bit hard to do. We have to, to be fair. Oh, we have to. So, yeah, the point stands. We do need a striker. But I think it's really important, like company says, to get a striker who'll fit and not just waste money for the sake of it because there are no outstanding candidates from the championship. There's nobody we can bring in who's a, a proven goal scorer. There's no one who's either good enough or we'll actually be able to, to buy because we can't buy a Brereton Diaz from Blackburn. So no and one nor would we in. want to. And nor, nor would we want to. to. Amen. <laughs> so no one we bring in is going to be a proven, a proven championship goal scorer, whichever way you look about it. But I think, now, obviously, my answer is coming on for a long time now, and I'm trying to skirt around. But yeah, come on, George. Being, Get on with it. <laughs> my point being that I'm wrapping it up with a nice little bow is that we got bullied around in the first half by Luton, right? We really did. In the second half, say what you want about Barnes, but he got much yeah. more into the game. And he, he has that physical edge to him, and he got us into a contest with him again. And I think it's so easy to slag him off and say, oh, blah, blah, blah. But, right, put, put Messi up front, you know, or, or someone, someone silky, put Benson, you know, anyone, put them up front in that second half and take Barnes off. We don't make as much as an impact because we would still get bullied around. So whoever we do bring in, okay, all, all well and good being a goal scorer, but they need to have a physical edge to them and not be another one of these tippy-tappy players. Yeah, I think most of that I, I agree with. I guess the things that I challenge you on that with, though, with George is that it's all very, the, the role that Barnes brings to that side and that physicality and, and getting us back in the game was absolutely crucial but we still didn't score more than one goal and he didn't score it. Um, he made, bless him, he made a bit of an accidental assist, but he still didn't score it. So for an out-and-out centre-forward, he doesn't look like he has any goals in him. That's the concern. So if what we're saying is, is that, yes, fine, don't drop Barnes if you need that physicality up front, but we still need somebody on the pitch who can put the ball in the back of the net because otherwise we're just in games to try and survive and not win them. And that's a... That's what you need to get out of the championship. You have to be winning your games, not just drawing. Um, I th- I think sorry, Twine, Rich. One. I think, tw- I think, think Twine, Twine, yeah, possibly. I think yeah. Twine can really fill that role because it's. I do think we need a physical strike up there and one up against him. Just think back to Vokes and Ings. Obviously, Vokes scored a lot as well, but Ings was the main little little man who's going to score goals. So I do think there's a role there for them. And I'm going to throw to you to you now, Rich. I, just... <laughs> I do agree in some parts. I think it's absolutely imperative we get a striker in. I don't I think... think... We will. I, I will say this now on this podcast. If we don't get a, a striker in, who will score fifteen goals plus. Neither the two strikers we have now will will get it. I'll add my hat on that because they won't stay. Rodriguez maybe has the potential, but he won't be fit enough for the rest of the season. He's had an injury record. Barnes is okay. He did all right. He did all right for me. He didn't out more. He throws himself about a bit. He. he lays the ball off but he does all right yeah, I think there's a bit of sentiment in there from George if I'm being honest uh, because I think, like and I think that's <laughs> I think that's similar to McNeil I think you've got to were for me it's imperative we will not and I, this is what I'll say we will not get automatic promotion if we don't get a 15 a goal striker in we, we might bring two strikers in it but if, if one of them doesn't score 15 plus goals I'm not saying we won't get promoted we won't get players but we won't get automatic promotion our two promotion seasons, we had Gray and Ings. I'll come on to that in a minute. Our two, we had Gray and Ings. Uh, sorry, yeah, we, we had Gray and Ings. Last season. No, it was Gray and Hawks, wasn't it? Well, it? Ings, I mean, the, the last two promotion seasons. Ah, okay, seasons, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're out, yeah, and, and, and Volk scored goals. 
And then look at the two teams who got automatic promotion this season, or last season. Mitrovic had 40-odd. Bournemouth had Solanke, who got 20-plus goals. Yeah. Season, but then, you know, you just need that strike. Uh, this is, I do agree with George in some sense about Twine. I, I'm a massive, massive fan of Twine. You know, and, and I've watched him for, for a little bit. He will score goals, but he's still a step up, yeah. you know, for the lads. And we can't count him as a striker. He's, he's, he, I'm, I'm sorry, we can't because he's not. He's a number 10 in, or, or, he's a, or he's a winger. So where do we get him from? Sign him for me. Go and get that Victor Gokarez from Coventry. We've just sold Carney. We've just sold Collins. We've just sold McNeil. We've got money to go and spend. He, he looks a real quality, quality player for me from what I've seen. And he's proven it in the Championship. Go and watch his goal that he got last week for Coventry against Sunderland. Yeah, there will be lads abroad too who who who, who I don't know about. Um, you know, we've seen one one player I am very excited about is Bent, and I think he's excellent. Oh my god, but he's, he's so got, good. Uh, he did more in that game than McNeil's done in eighteen months. He could actually beat a player. So I'm only winding George up there, by the way. He's <laughs> uh, not biting. He's not biting. But he was excited. Barnes won't score five goals this season, no, he even won't. if he plays 46 games. George is laughing at us, but he's true. He might get three penalties. He might get some penalties. He scored one goal in open play in about three years. <laughs> it's just okay. facts. It's no, just, I, I don't like, disagree. I don't true. disagree. I don't disagree. He might get um, six then. Okay, so, well, any advances on six? So we're going with six. Okay, six. Is there. there you go, listeners. Barnes will get no more than six goals this season. Um. Well, obviously, one of the things, uh, Charlotte, that we do need to, to look at is is also feeding those strikers. And for once, that's something that we don't seem to have a problem with in our team. Uh, we've gone from having zero creativity to too much creativity um, and just being the, the entertaining, uh, tippy-tappy football that, that Rich likes to describe it has. With that in mind, we did see at the weekend uh, the debut for Manuel Benson. What was your... I mean, I was... I'm in love with him already from a football perspective, obviously. Um, what was your initial reaction to him coming on? Oh, yeah, 100% in love with him. Yeah, um, <laughs> first of all, fantastic name. I can't call him Benson, it's just Manuel. Um, and then he <laughs> was playing in. I thought, how's he doing that? I honestly thought he had Velcro on his boots and it was mm-hmm. stuck to him. I thought, how's he got through it? How's he got through three players there? And George and my sister said exactly the same to me. I'm watching it, I think, no, he's got no chance, he's got no chance. And then he runs through him. And like you said, we we haven't really been used to that. We haven't been used to the tippy tappy football, as we call it, where we can we actually create some kind of chances, you know. And also, he had that that shot, which nearly nearly there, you know. It could have been a screamer yeah. if it went in. Um, and we were all off our seats for that. But I thought he was absolutely fantastic. What a what a player! He needs to start. He has to start from now on. Um, I can't I can't see him not starting. Um, but. You know, he's he's a new a new face, isn't he? I thought I didn't think he were going to play him. You know, he's only been there for what it what two yeah, days a day before, me. yeah, before um the game. I thought oh, no chance, no chance. But no, threw him straight in. And I thought he fit in really well, and yeah, really really exciting, fantastic to yell, to yell Manuel every three seconds. Absolutely, <laughs> in my game. I love it. I love it. Um, one of the other things then, um, sticking sticking with you, Charlotte. I think we touched on it earlier on about potential swapping around of the players that we've seen already. Um, Connor Roberts, really, really poor performance. Um, I don't really know what had got into him at all at the weekend. Um, whereas on the, the plus side, Vitinho came on, I, he looked incredible. Um, 
Vitinho does play at right back, doesn't he? I'm not I'm not made that up when I looked at it. Do we think Roberts is vulnerable to Vitinho just starting at that right back position? Or do you would you stick with Roberts for a while yet? Yeah, he's had he had a bad game, didn't he? But it's not something we see that often from him, I don't think. You know, it's everyone's allowed a bad day and also I wouldn't want to take Vitinho away from what he did when he came on I didn't I wouldn't want to pull him back into defense when he had so much freedom going forward and I know we're playing our, our we're playing such a forward line now our defenders are halfway up the pitch we they're not where they were when we where we used to him but at the same time he's going to have a more defensive job to do if we put him there I think you've got to he's had a bad game you know you've got to stick with him give him a chance but everyone has a bad day at work but I think maybe going forwards, if he carries on, if he don't pick up, they might do. But I can't see him pulling him away from that kind of attacking game he was playing when he came on and pulling back into the fence. I can't see that happening. Yeah, no, I think I probably agree with that, actually. It's, um, it's nice to have options. It's not something that we've been used to before. Most definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we wrap it up then and we start thinking ahead to Watford, I'm going to do around the room. I want your man of the match, please. Georgie Boy, let's start with you. Uh, I think Matson was, Matson was the standout man yet again. Yeah, again, Rich. I know he only played forty-five minutes, but I'd have to give it to Benson just because he completely, he just completely changed the game on its head. Matt's in a very, very close second again. He's going to be a, a top, top level footballer as mm. his as his career progresses. But yeah, Benson just because he he did actually change the game, and that's what you want from your players. Yeah, I agree, Charlotte. Well, last week, I know you said typical Burnley fans, they go, will you score the goal? I'm going to score the goal. It's Brownhill, you know, especially for the <laughs> celebration, the dance afterwards. I were on my feet. You need something to celebrate. The man scored. It were a fantastic goal as well, not a tapping. So it's got to be our, our Brownhill on there. Oh, T, what are you doing to me? I've got three different votes there. So that's going to have to give, you give it to me. The hospital has to choose the decider. And so I'm going to have the grief on. Twitter for being the one that does it. Um, I do agree with one of you who my man in match was, so one of you is going to get it. Um, and it is, and this doesn't happen very often, but maybe it's just the camaraderie that we've built up over the preview shows of the last couple of weeks. But uh, it's Matson for me as well, I'm afraid. I thought uh, I'm the opposite of Rich, it was Matson with uh, Benson, a very close second. So there you go. Your no nay never man of no nay never man of the match once again for the second week running was. Ian Matson. Um, listeners, let us know your thoughts on the game. Talk to us about anything we've discussed tonight and let us have your man of the match as well. We're always keen to know and we're keen to get in touch. You can tweet us at known and Ever. You can leave a comment on our Facebook page or you can email us at podcast at knownandever.net. Uh, again, round the room before we go. Um, hopes and expectations for Watford. Toughest, toughest game we've faced this season. Rich, what are you thinking? Well, I'll let you know a little bit more after tonight. Watford are playing at eight against West yeah. Brom. I know they're away from home and that'll be a tough game. You know, two good sides who you expect to be up there. So, if you offered me now, I'd take a point. I think we've got some, yeah, George, see you guys on Sky. Uh, so, you might be able to watch it. Um, sorry, I said that because George just put TV in the chat. To all the listeners, I'm not just going mad and talking to... You've done this, um, oh, listen, all three of you have done this all the way through the show. I'm like, will you all stop talking it. about the chat that nobody that's listening knows what you're talking about? <laughs> Honestly, we're so professional. It's um, funny. Carry on, Rich. You know what? If somebody said now, I'd take a point because, uh, you know, it'd be one of our toughest away games. And I think we've got some... De- I think we've got two home games coming up against Blackpool and Hull. Yeah. As we found out, every game in the Championship is tough. 
but I will take a point. But I did say to George, uh, I put in the chat before, even though Watford do have some very good attacking players, they will give us more space on Friday yeah. night, which we may be able to take advantage of, um, unless you balance because it looks like he's running in treacle. Oh, good Lord. We had to get them in before we left. Quickly, rescue us, George. What are your expectations again of the Watford game? Expectations are for Benson to start. That's my first expectation. Like Charlotte said, he changed the game, not just in how he played, but his presence on the pitch pushed their entire team back 10 or 15 yards because they were that scared of him. And I think Watford will be the same at the weekend. And I think the higher up the pitch we are, the less chance their front three have got of scoring a goal. Now, my hopes are, look, plain and simple, I don't want us to get beat. I don't want that unbeaten run gone. And I'll tell you a little sentimental thing. I am going to Watford, but half of me doesn't want to go. And Rich will love this because Watford last season was so magical. So I just don't want to, I don't want to ruin, I don't want to ruin that memory of the ground. So my hope is just to avoid the defeat. We're not, we're not level-headed here, are we? This is an emotional podcast. I I hope George has a terrible time, not in the game, but before Watford and after Watford. Because you left me high and dry last last year, George. You ditched me. You organised to go to the old fellas pub, and I made my family go out early just to meet George. And he ditched me last year. So I, I hope George, your train breaks down. You may kick off, but you have a terrible journey. Okay, we're three shows into That's this fair. season's podcast, and the team is falling apart around me. Uh, Charlotte, please get, come back in and, and bring us back down to football. What are you thinking ahead of the game? <laughs> Um, again, I think Manuel should be starting, but I said that before. But hopes, you know, we always hope for a win, don't we? But I think a point will take a point. But if we're going to take a point, I always have a thing where we want them to score first. Yeah. We don't want to be going down. We don't want to be one nil up and bringing it down up to one one. You know, we want them to score first, and then we want to bag an absolute screamer in the last minute and all be elated. And that's what that's why I hope. Expectation, but hopes <laughs> definitely a win. <laughs> Well, that was that was very specific. I love it. There you go, listeners. We were we're asking for George to have a chopping time in his, in his train to break down, and for a ninety-four minute screamer to equalise. So we don't ask for much on this podcast, um, guys. That is all we have time for now. So we're going to wrap this up this week. My thanks as ever go to everybody who has contributed to this podcast, to my colleagues, George and Rich and Charlotte, for being here on the show with me tonight, to producer Matt, who is back from his holidays. Thank goodness me and George are very relieved. Um, so our MVP is back in the engine room and we might get things a little bit slicker than... Uh, although we did all right, George, we did all right. Um, so, yeah, thanks thanks to Matt, who's obviously a constant there. Um, but my thanks as ever to you, the listener, for downloading and listening to this podcast. Your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. The preview show will be back on Thursday. Uh, sorry, Friday night. We'll be recording on Thursday. We're back on Friday night where we will be. Oh, actually, this is a good point. We're going to have to be early, aren't we? Because we're playing Friday night. The preview show will be on Thursday this week. I was right the first time. Uh, where we will be previewing that away tie at Watford and we'll have the results of the first week of the Non and Ever Fantasy Premier League. If you haven't yet got involved in that, have a look on Twitter and you can grab our league code and join us. We have had a record number of entrants this year, so it's going to be very competitive. Prizes every month for Manager of the Month and prizes at the end for League Winner and Cup Winner. So do get involved if you are an FPL manager. Um, and then the analysis show will be back next week where we'll be hopefully discussing um, 26 undefeated and we'll be finding out what happened when George's train broke down. Um, in the meantime, listeners, take care of yourselves, take care of others. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Non and Never podcast. Until next time.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.